Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to your weekly Cornish Betty. It's me, Kieran, and I'm joined by Uma. Hi. And we're talking we're talking Spain. Uma's favorite country. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Defund Spain. Yeah, uh, defund Spain. Yes, yes, please. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, elections. <laughs> did it. They did it. Uh, in a little bit, we'll we'll cut to an interview I had with uh, uh, Owen Gil Martin from uh, Sobremesa. Sobremesa. Yeah, that thing I said. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you were close enough. I'll give you. I was close enough. I could do that. <laughs> As soon as as soon as Spain starts to put vowels together, I'm just like, no, nah, I'm out. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> you did it a bit of like, you know how? Well, I don't know if you know, but let Latinos laugh at us for like using a lot, like oh, the the, the the prince, someone's prince lisp or something, isn't there? Was like a yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. And you kind of did the sobremesa instead of sobremesa. Ah, interesting. Okay, all right. So you're you're fully Spanish now. Yeah, well, that makes sense with my exactly zero experience with South or Central America. hundred <laughs> um, percent. Yeah. No. No. It's, I. I. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> the elections. Um, <sighs> Yeah, big, big exalted side. Big side. Um, all right, yeah. So let, we we can we can talk about this a little bit. We can do like the plain election results. Oh, excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, so it was a. Uh, uh, let me just get the get these up because basically we had polling for ages mm-hmm. that uh, the right wing was going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, very handily, they were going to get like an outright majority. I think a lot of polling was saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot was just straight up saying that Pepe would get majority, mm. most likely with Fox as well. Yes. Um. So even that was like a fun thing to think about for a bit. Yeah, it was. It was terrifying, and it was a source of many debates on Twitter because there's many people. In especially also in Catalonia that don't vote, they mm. refuse to vote. So it was just the discourse every day on Twitter was just like you know people that do vote telling people that don't vote like just go vote because Pepe and Vox are gonna win, and then the others being like fuck you, it's not gonna be my fault if they win, and like that it, it was just exhausting. <laughs> and then Uma was just like, I don't know what any of you people are saying. No habla en español. I <laughs> exactly. I speak English for these couple of months. No one, exactly. no one notices me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun. I hate that discourse. That discourse happens all the time. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing is when like you get people who are just like, I'm not voting discourse. And then they're just like, on the day, just like, oh, I'll, just, I'll just go vote. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I had to vote through post. Yeah, fair enough. Um, thankfully, I was there like a couple of weeks before the election. So I could actually like, I went to my post up. It was so easy. Mm. Like Honestly, the post in Spain was so great. Everyone was talking shit about them because um, they just needed time to send all the votes because a record number of people, like millions of people actually asked for to vote through the post yeah. because a lot of people were on holidays. 
right? That was the whole also thing of like, oh my God, like Pedro Sanchez asked for, you know, he's making us vote in the middle of the yeah. summer, da 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 Hitler for doing that. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> it's his it's his fascist strategy of like, I don't know, Sanchismo, ah, ridiculous. But um, yeah, and then the post like delivered basically like all of them. And the ones that they didn't deliver is simply because the person wasn't home when like the post right, yeah. man or woman went because I was home obviously when the post came with the vote. And yeah. it's a guy that has literally like been our postman for years. He knows me, knows my family. And he was still like, I need to see your ID. I'm sorry. I know who you are, but. Oh yeah. This whole thing. Yeah. 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 Just, you know, just in case they ask, I, I have to ask for your ID. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's good. That's great. <laughs> that you're asking anyway. <laughs> Um, all right, so we can talk a little bit about the results because mm-hmm. we got we got a uh, uh, PP. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. what I said. Uh, they actually won the most seats, but they got 137 seats. You need 176 for a majority. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming in second, we have the um, PSOE uh, uh, Pedro Sanchez mm-hmm. with 121 seats. Then we have Vox with 33, which means Vox and PP can't work together to make a majority. Mm-hmm. And then you have Sumar with 31. And then we have the only other two worth kind of really mentioning is ERC mm-hmm. with seven and the Junts, as I now know they're pronounced, also with seven. And then at that point, there's like a million tiny different parties that all got like one or two seats, and it's it, and whatever. Yeah, be, be like the Basque one, like the 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 Fein of the Basque County got yeah. like two, I think, or one. Sinn just spelt with more X's. Uh, um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they they naturally, yeah. Then you get into like regional parties, and yeah, stuff yeah. Like and then then there's also this whole thing of like. A lot of these parties are coalitions of various other parties. Yeah, yeah. You can, you, hey, you can look at some graphs later in your own time. Podcast <laughs> yeah. See how all work. <laughs> um. So yeah, the the. So like okay, but the interesting thing about this election is, uh, when Pedro Sanchez called it, everyone was like the fuck are you doing this is the dumbest thing you've ever done mm-hmm. uh and then he's kind of come out of it relatively well not losing as bad as people thought he was going to do yeah preventing yeah. the the pp and vox from having their own like coalition mm-hmm. um because the only other parties you can work with are the regional parties who all hate like people trying to rewarm francoism in the microwave uh, <laughs> yeah. so, um so naturally enough, it's it's kind of I think it's basically assumed now that it's going to be effectively the return of the old coalition, just with like Podemos changed its name to Samar, and we have like more dependence on the regional parties. Yeah, that's that's the main problem. But also, let me just say that when when Sanchez called the elections, mm. because Pesoe did horribly in like the elections, the, yeah, the regional yeah. elections. If he hadn't called elections, Pepe and Vox would have like fucking started a coup d'etat. Like they would have been like, no, because they were saying, look how badly Pessoa did, look how well we did. Yeah. Um, 
So, of course, Sanchez just called for elections. And then they were complaining. It's like, dude, like, you, you don't want PSOE to be in government. So why are you complaining? Just, like, work for, <laughs> for your votes. And, and yeah, and also, Vox lost, like, 20 seats or something like that. Almost yeah. half. Yeah. I mean... My understanding is that's like a a, um, a a hiccup of your like of the like great system you have over there that punishes small parties though because like what is it the percentage of the vote they got last time was fifteen percent and now it's like twelve percent it's like a, it's a three percent drop that has resulted in like nearly halving of their seats. Oh well, boohoo. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Um, yeah. Hey, but okay. yes, yeah. Now it it it. If there's a government, because I'm not even sure if there's there there will reach any consensus. If there will probably be more elections this year, mm. um, if they agree, it will have to be with the regional parties specifically, which is very difficult for them. The Catan pro independence parties, yeah, specifically Johns, <laughs> Juns. And even more specifically, one guy from Junts. He doesn't even live in Spain anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the Waterloo guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Like, that's... Uh, listen, I don't like Junts at all. Sure. Like, someone asked me after the elections, like, because I guess they trust my political, uh, I don't know, compass or whatever. And they were like, oh, what do we think about Junts? And it's like, no, what do we think about Carlos Puigdemont? Mm, specifically, and, yeah. Specifically. And I was like, well, he sucks. But I kind of like respect him because he did the whole referendum. Mm. Um, and it was really funny how he evaded uh, getting arrested by the Spanish police. Like, I don't know if you know, you know the story, right? <laughs> I do, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the listeners, though. Go he basically, um, they were chasing him with like a helicopter and he was on a in a car yeah. and they he changed cars under a tunnel and obviously the helicopter couldn't see and then the helicopter kept following like the wrong car instead of thinking yeah. oh maybe they did like they just like did a you know it's, it's a fucking gta shares <laughs> yeah it's like the stupidest thing ever and they still couldn't figure out that you know he and escaped then, <laughs> and then carlos crossed into the Pyrenees. <laughs> took a tank and did that thing where you can fire the tank backwards to make the tank fly <laughs> exactly. it all the way to brussels exactly um, yeah no it's 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 a it's a great story there was a time there also where like there was a period after that happened where everyone did not know where he was oh um, yeah that was crazy that like was... honestly he i don't know he must have a lot of contacts in europe because he was like 100 percent a fugitive um, nobody knew what he was, and then when they discovered it, it was just every country started being like, "Oh, we'll send you back to Spain, whatever." Now he's in Waterloo. I think he was elected to the European Parliament, actually. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Junes in general just sucks. They're right wing. They're conservative. Um, mm. Yeah, that's the problem with the pro independence movement, pro Catalan independence movement, is that sadly you can find any kind of people in there yeah i mean i think this is a consequence of unlike a, a handful of other regions that vie for separatism catalonia is like the richest part of it so there really is this right-wing case for independence of yeah. what if people 
take our ball and ride with us kind of thing. Yeah, which yeah. doesn't mean because I have seen tweets on my timeline from mutuals that I really respect and I think are very smart. But when it comes to Catalan independence, it's like everyone is, I don't know, brain rot. It's like, no, because it is true that you can, you know, there's people like the people in Junes. There's yeah. worse people even that support Catalan independence. But that doesn't mean it's like a bourgeois movement. Like, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, there's a good take for. There's a, there's just because there's a bad take doesn't mean there's a good take for. Exactly. Like most, most of the activism and everything that is pro Catalan independence is like very, very leftist, very anti-fascist, very much like completely different than what people say yeah. it is. And there's an incredibly, uh, 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 you know violent history of repression that is incredibly recent and uh, uh yeah no i can you can understand why people are sour about staying in the same country but, um, <laughs> yeah my favorite my favorite thing of like one of the things that i often hear from it's usually on the scottish independence side of like um oh it's it'd be we need socialists in you know scotland and the uk to work together kind of thing i was like sure yeah i get this idea and that's great i'd love that for, for that to happen but it's like there really isn't any reason why that couldn't happen post-independence hmm. like you could still work together like you could like independent catalonia and independent like Basque country could make like you know you could make the nordic league equivalent but for like area <laughs> and just be like yeah we're all we're, we're, we can just work together but you know, we have our own government now go away <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean um eric uh, ERC yeah. and Bildu, which is the Sinn Féin of the Basque country, um, they did meetings together. I think mm-hmm. they did like events together in the Basque country and stuff. And it's like they mostly always stick together as well. They are very, oh, very. Yeah. I mean, I, I, similar. My understanding is there's a there's a handful of like uh, people within Catalonian politics who kind of like advocate for being as independent as the Basque country because the Basque country has the most like autonomy yeah because of some things from like the medieval times or something like that Mm, like um yeah yeah they they yeah yeah so (laughs) anyway anyway going back to going back to this actually i do want to talk about some of the 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 wilder things that happened this election or like <laughs> go on <laughs> the memes the memes the memes i want to talk about thing i'm not going to pronounce correctly pero sanche <laughs> you said it pretty well oh hell yeah <laughs> it's um it's more the perro because it's like dog pero sanche yeah perro sanche Hell yeah. So what's going on here? Is is Pedro Sanchez based now? Is this what we're <laughs> So I don't I think it started as a like that's how the right wing called him. Yeah, because this is where, like, like Franchismo comes from, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Perro is like dog, right? So like mm. they were making fun of him, saying he's a dog, whatever. Um and it started specifically during the lockdown because the lockdown was so yeah. harsh. And I've, I've seen the fucked uh, um, <laughs> Facebook memes of like Big Brother style posters, but with his face instead of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, not to defend Perro, uh, Perro. <laughs> Pedro, Pedro Sanchez, yeah. but like, my God, 
half of Spain would have died if Pepe had been in power during lockdown. Like yeah. you can you can just see how Madrid was during lockdown with the pandemic. Like mm. so many people died because Ayuso, who is the president of Madrid, is from Pepe. Well, we'll get to that later. I want to talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they started calling him Perro Sanchez, and then the left just started take or the left or like the non right wing people started taking it like as a joke. Yeah. And started making their own memes with that. And I assume he is a really good community manager or social media manager that is like mm. on top of all of this because he just appro- appropriated it as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then started making jokes about it, called himself Perro Sanchez, went on like a podcast that is very famous between like young people and talked about that and made fun of it. And the funniest thing is that in the last event they did, his wife had a massive pin that said, I love Perro Sanchez. (laughs) All right. I've heard this compared to like Dark Brandon. This is like in America. Yeah. 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 It's basically that. But I think kind of less cringe. I don't know if Mm. it's because... I'm weirdly protective of Pedro Sanchez, even though I don't really like him that much. Well, I think I think I, cards at the table <laughs> water than Joseph Biden. <laughs> That's my. He's a yeah. young, spry man in comparison to Joseph Biden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just he's a charming person, even if you don't like him. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's that's also leads us to the next great meme or theme of memes is being horny for pedro sanchez okay yeah that was horrible that was (laughs) that was very cringe it was oh my god the galician one calling him bizcochito so like little cake and like oh it was so embarrassing it was so horny for pedro sanchez and like yeah i don't know i don't i don't is he is he used to people sexualizing him what's the deal there because they also gave condoms with like his face on it. It's <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah, that's weird. That's so weird. That's like every stereotype like Northern Europe has of Southern Europe is you're all horny. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, did you know when he was elected in 2019, all of Twitter discovered the the president of Spain and all of Twitter was just horny for Pedro Sanchez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so. it's, it reminded me of like uh, um, when Trudeau was elected. <laughs> exactly. Earlier photos uh, uh, came out. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the Galician one was great. It was like, oh, Senior Sanchez, what a lovely packet of. Oh, uh, God, yeah. You have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do respect that it was in Galician, though. <laughs> I will give them that. <laughs> I love this concept of just like, you could say the most heinous dog shit to me, but if you say it in a minority language, <laughs> in Peninsula, I love it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that is my point. That's my politics. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to institute a flat tax. He's like, yeah, but he said flat tax in a very particular way. Exactly. <laughs> 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 oh god damn it um the next one which is to do with samar actually is um oh the dog thingy right the weird dog tiktok thing. <laughs> i don't know they definitely had a gen c community manager 
did they though? Because I I shared this around one of okay. them. There's there's one where, uh, um, again, this is related to actually what I think was, you know, a good idea by Pedro to actually to call the elections now, because they did they did shit in these regional elections. Mm-hmm. And the context of this whole campaign for a national election was like you'd get news stories of like, oh, Vox has formed a government in like Valencia or something like that. And that's like, that was adding to his campaign of like, I'm the only thing that can stop, like get in the way of a Vox government. Mm-hmm. And like, if you have an actual news story in the backgrounds of like, oh, they're forming all these local governments. I think that worked, right? That worked for them. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially because Pepe was very comfortable. Yeah. Like making mm-hmm. governments with um, Vox and they started doing insane shit. Like they banned um a theater like a representation of Orlando by Virginia Bloom. Mm. No, Virginia Bloom. Virginia what's her name? Wait. I couldn't tell you. The one I heard about. Wolf. Oh my god, Bloom. Wolf. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Orla yeah, by Virginia Wolf, because Orlando is like this um gender fluid character slash trans mm. character. So they banned that. Cool. Just because. The one I heard was that they banned uh, a summer screening, like open air screening of the Disney Buzz Lightyear film. Because there's one lesbian couple or... Yeah, no. Presumably, yeah. Like, you know, a, a Disney's Disney's idea of a lesbian couple, which is yeah, like, exactly. two girls who stare at each other for a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. Like insane shit like that. And a lot of people, like, for example, even my uncle who is, you know, well off and more conservative because he is well off, he's conservative. Okay. Even him, he was like saying, this is insane. Like everybody <laughs> vote PSOE because, you know, this is not, this is just insane. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 the that was to, to kind of uh, something that was said in the interview of like Vox getting a little too online alt-right uh, not realizing that like they're maybe in this echo chamber of people who care about this stuff, but actually this doesn't play very well nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, this is all to say that in reference to all of this, there is a TikTok video from the Samar <laughs> official account where they show this with the, the weird little cat people with the circular mouths are enjoying ice cream. And then, uh, um, a, 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 a representation of Santiago Abascal as like a Wojak character oh take, my God. takes down the rainbow flag in front of the like local government house mm-hmm. and replaces it with like a Spanish flag. And they ki- the cats kick him out and put it, put the rainbow flag back up. So it's both the Spanish flag and the rainbow flag. See, you can have both. Um, <laughs> we can talk about that later and the implications, but. <laughs> I shared this around in like, or no, sorry, I didn't, but our lovely Spanish <laughs> listeners were sharing this in the Discord mm-hmm. uh, of Cornish Beatty. And we're like, someone was like, wait, why did they depict the opposition as the Chad meme? Because they, they'd done uh, uh, Abascal as like Chad, as like the Chad guy, but, you know, wearing a Vox t-shirt and has the correct facial hair and stuff like that. It's just like... Ah, uh, so it's not Gen Z. 
<laughs> Who did the meme? They don't know. They don't know. I think it's someone who's trying to be. I don't. I don't understand. Uh, uh, well, I think is more accurate though. Yeah. And what to a lot of political parties is they get someone in their office who is technically Gen Z, but doesn't know how to do this stuff actually, because they spent their childhood being in a political party. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, it's that kind of. Gen C people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's not I'm not like for example, you don't upload to TikTok. You're Gen Z, Uma. Like True. But I, imagine I, you were, imagine the, you're in the office. Yeah. Was, you know how to use TikTok. <laughs> yeah, true. I am like the youngest in my office, I think. They would just be like pointing at me, like you, That's you what, know. Do and, a TikTok dance right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, no. I, yeah, that's true. I don't have TikTok. But surely I, I know that the chat thing is a good thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, you know that much. <laughs> exactly. I, I am that educated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, before we cut to the interview, though, I do want to talk about one thing, which is like mm-hmm. regional differences in Spain, because it seems like it's a big, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, um you know, not not just the obvious ones of like the Basque Country and Catalonia, uh, uh, but the one that I find very interesting and I think is quite different for the rest of Europe or like even the Western world is Madrid as actually a conservative stronghold rather Stop than like. Stop it! I was so pissed off watching the no because I was also working that day, so I literally had to not miss a single second of the elections and the count and you know you know the uh, trump being like stop stop the count (laughs) that was me when they started counting madrid i was like you motherfuckers like basically was winning Mm. or was doing better yeah. Until fucking they started like counting Madrid, and I was like, "Yeah, fuck, okay, fuck this, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> we're done here." Yeah, because they have their um, they have what is it, Ayuso in charge? Ayuso, yeah. yeah. Which it was, it was very awkward because even though they didn't get like um the majority, they did win technically the elections, right, Pepe? Mm-hmm. So they still went out, like they put this stage in front of their their HQ and they still went out. And when Feijó, who is the president of Pepe and the leader of the opposition, hmm. uh, started talking, they start, Ayuso was like standing near him and the people started chanting Ayuso, 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 while Feijó was speaking. Yeah, yeah, And she just like tried to look all like, you know coy and chai and whatever it's like yeah i also don't (laughs) yeah she's literally gonna stab fejo in the back and like it's so easy now he fucked up (laughs) oh yeah no and now he's like being like please pesoe you know don't let me do a government don't don't do packs with like the catalan people i'm not friends with that smuggler anymore exactly (laughs) the fucking oh my god did you see that in an interview he was like i don't know why that photo exists. I didn't know that he was a drug leader. It's like, hmm. you were a politician in Galicia. Of course you knew. <laughs> like, come on. Either you're saying you, you're, you're either lying or you're a terrible at governance. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, uh, and also it was very funny because when they started counting the votes in Madrid, uh, on Twitter, the the thing that was trending in Spain was bomb Madrid. <laughs> 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 it's like we all experience this, you know, feeling of unity <laughs> against Madrid. <laughs> I appreciate that. I I did see. I have seen a handful of like just normal conversations on social media during the election time. Someone just being like, and just you know, innocently saying like, "Oh, I'm in Madrid at the moment," and then people underneath respond like, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, Madrid is just like. I I saw uh, I had to see a video of Fejo voting in like his polling station. Sure, yeah, yeah. And the people around started chanting "President, President, President." And I was like, "Oh, lovely! <laughs> How nice!" It's very, it's very strange. I guess it's just like so. We saw those charts of like the 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 poverty it's basically like the poverty of hmm. regions mapped to like where political support is and like the richer your region the richer your like a little electoral district the more likely you are to vote pp uh the poorer more likely to vote uh, um psoe mm-hmm. with uh, um uh, yeah samara there as well vox obviously leaning towards the the rich again um I guess, is that just all in Madrid then? Is that just like what it is? It's just like wealthier people are in Madrid? Um, yeah. Yes and no, because, I mean, in the same city of Madrid, hmm. if you see, like, after the elections, they always publish these maps so you can see literally street by street who voted what. Oh, fun, yeah. Okay. Which is a bit citizen... No, no, it's a big brother, but whatever. Um, but it's interesting. Obviously, they don't put the names of the people. But like, even in the city of Madrid, you can see clearly which are the more, the richer uh, neighborhoods and which are the poorer ones. Because the poorer ones vote PSOE, even though they're in Madrid. And the richer ones vote PP. It's like in Barcelona. I don't know if I, I, I think I posted it on my Instagram story and my close friends. Like Barcelona, it's very clearly divided by uh, Avenida Diagonal, which is this this avenue that just like cuts the city in two parts. Mm. And we do say in Barcelona that the people that are like upper Diagonal are very rich and very right wing. Mm. And in the map of Barcelona, you could just see where the diagonal was because from there up, everything was blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. It's just like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't be a stereotype. Just, you know, zig when everyone zags. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, in general, of course, there's a lot of rich people in Madrid because it is the capital. It is where a lot of HQs are, a lot of, like, uh, companies are. Mm. Um, But still, the poor people of Madrid or the more middle-class people of Madrid, thankfully, still vote PSOE. It's just that there's more rich people, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where they are. They're not in extra Maduro or whatever the fuck. Exactly, Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. And with that, I think we will cut to our interview with uh, Owen Gilmerton, journalist and podcaster. Take it away, me from four hours ago. (laughs) 
All right. Hey, and uh, we're now joined by uh, a podcaster and journalist, Owen Gilmartin, to, uh, uh, based there in Spain, to talk about uh, the Spanish elections and uh, what's going on down there. Uh, thank you for joining us, Owen. Hey, Kieran. Great to be with you. Excellent. Uh, right. So, I, I okay. First question. <laughs> what was Sanchez think? Like, why, why were these elections called, I guess, is the... the it worked out for him, but what was... It did. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It, wor- it did work out in the end, didn't it? So, I mean, I think that's, you know, I think there were there were elections scheduled for December. So there was going to be elections this year, probably November, mm-hmm. December this year. And the left suffered heavy, heavy losses in the local and regional elections in May. And I think his thinking was he was going to face a backlash from his own party. He's going to face six months of negative headlines of like mm-hmm. rumors of, you know, the, the left slow decline... For him, it was just better to go now, you know, in a moment when particularly because the right were were negotiating regional local coalitions. And so Vox was entering city halls, were entering regional Mm -hmm. governments and the policies that they were, the sort of policy concessions they were getting out of the PP were were the centre-right PP were were quite quite alarming for a lot of people. I mean, some some of them are ridiculous, you know, the sort of banning of certain materials. Um, you know, most city halls run sort of summer cinemas um, across across Spain, sort of outdoor cinemas. Mm. And Vox Vox have targeted the far right Vox party have targeted, you know, very particular portfolios. So like they they tend to want culture, agriculture, security, etc. So they w- they want to be in charge of the police. They want to be in charge of culture. Things they can sort of use for culture culture war, an ideolo- ideological polarization. So. Mm. There were these negotiations um, in which, you know, basically, for for example, the Valencia regional government, um, basically, you know, their sort of program for government, this is the third largest region in, in Spain, didn't mention gender violence, but only talked about sort of interfamily violence. They mm-hmm. talked, you know, they talked about getting rid of historical memory of, of, you know, various policies around this at the same time at a local level they were banning fi- films from these summer cinemas films like buzz lightyear because there's i think uh like a, a, a gay kiss in that or something um so so <laughs> and i think it's like i haven't seen it so i can't i can't actually say but like yeah. it's you know, something ridiculous like there's there's a there's a, a scene where two like two women kiss in it or something but like yeah yeah, it, it's uh, uh, it's still Disney at the end of the exactly, day. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's exactly it's you know you're talking about Disney level like sort of content. Um, yeah. So I think this was all happening. This was all happening sort of the month leading up to the election, and that and in a sense that also had a huge impact. So I think it was people were very surprised when Sanchez called these elections in in May at the end of May twelve. I think it was like sort of twelve twelve hours after the polls closed in the local elections, hmm. and people were sort of divided was this you know he, he tends to be this politician who who's very careful with uncertain or he's very he feels very he feels okay with uncertainty he'll take risks he, he you know he's he's a he's a politician known for these sort of um audacious sort of tactical maneuvers etc and i think people were divided about whether this was another sort of quote-unquote brilliant um, tactical move or whether it was sort of political suicide. In the end, he seems to have judged it correctly. Now He's now like the favorite to make, you know, to, to lead the next government. So I think in that sense, you know, I think it was a shock. Nobody was expecting it. It ruined basically every journalist in Madrid. It sort of ruined their holiday plans, etc. But in the end, it, it sort of worked out. 
Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, okay. So I, the this this kind of like want to call like take or analysis that like the forming of regional governments after the regional elections was something that sufficiently like scared uh, uh, voters or like really fed into the the Sanchez narrative of like the anti-fascist front against Fox. Yeah. Um, this is this is an opinion and analysis I'm seeing now, but it kind of seems like when the actual elections were called, I, I didn't see that opinion back then. Is this is that fair to say, or is this something lost in translation? I think it was probably something lost in translation. Um, mm. I mean, I think you know he won. We can talk about this as well, but like he he won the 2019 election mm. on a clear anti-fascist campaign strategy. Yeah, and I think that that was much more you know, straightforward, negative, anti-fascist strategy. I think this time he could also point to certain gains which were, you know, which were up, um, which were possibly being put in doubt around, you know, they've, they've been in government for four years. This is going to be like the, you know, the alternative was quite a hard right government of the Bay Bay and, and Vox. Yeah. But no, I think, I, I think, you know, he, he positioned himself straight away as, look, the, you know, the choices my brand of moderate social democracy or a hard right government, inclu- including, you know, post, post-fascist Fox. And I think that was pretty obvious from, from, from the start. I, I don't know, like a lot, you know, some of the, some of the English media, media coverage might've, yeah, might've lost, lost that. Um, I mean, I have been, I have been sort of asked by various people, like what, what was he thinking? But I, you know, I mean, I think that was it. And it, the gamble paid off. I mean, in, in a sense, you, we we had this huge mobilization of the left vote, which came out to sort of protect protect itself against this you know the threat of Vox. Um, so no, I mean I think it, it was intended and you know it it worked out. Okay, fair enough. Because um, yeah, the 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 kind of like analysis over over here or overseas, I guess this is like broadly speaking, international media looking inwards, which from doing Cornish Spady, I know is like very uh, problematic is the wrong word. I make it sound like they're getting canceled, but it's always very surface level. Uh, um, yeah. Did kind of the only analysis that I saw that seemed plausible was like the left, including PSOE was on a downward trend and it's better to do it now rather than later uh, to let that trend continue. That well, was I th- the best. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think he is, um, um, he, he, he is, you know, he's a very intelligent politician. I think as a as a political operator, you know, he's he's not his brand of sort of social democracy light is in my politics. But I think you have to respect and, and acknowledge his his skill as a political operator. And you know, I think probably whatever whatever outcome it was probably going to be the best best possible in that sense. That like I think there was no point waiting six months in the sense. Yeah, you would have. You would have had further demobilization. Go now. In the worst case scenario, because the the other sort of f- factor here was the fact that the, the the radical left, the alternative left, was was in chaos and divided. And I think this was also an, it was also the right moment, I guess, for him to position the Socialist Party of the PSOE as the sort of tactical vote. Anyone who wants to stop Fox mm. and have and have uh, the new the new Sumar radical left platform as a sort of you know. Uh, very much as the junior partner, I mean, you know, they spent they spent the first two or three weeks of the campaign 
trying to put together a, a united electoral list. When when it happened, there was a you know it was there was a huge fallout around that around the fact that there was a veto against Spain's current equality minister and, and Podemos as number two, Irene Montero. So the mm. first, I mean, you know, we're talking like the first three or four weeks of the ca- of the sort of pre campaign, I guess, were 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 lost for the left. Um, and so I think you know I think in the worst case scenario for Sanchez, yeah, he would have he was going to improve or you know maintain his party's um, vote share that, and and then go into opposition or this was the best you know this was the moment with the highest possibility to actually uh, sure. get a second government okay fair enough Right, and then I, I guess I should talk about a little bit about these kind of individual campaigns. I think we've talked a little bit about like what uh, um, Sanchez and uh, uh, Pasoy were doing. Um, I'm kind of curious about the uh, outside of the kind of like anti-vox, anti-fascism angle. Was there anything else to Sanchez's campaign, or was that it, or was that most of it? It was. I mean, I think what it, the other thing he had to do was push back, I guess, against the right wing smears. I mean, I think one of one of the one of the terms. I mean, the 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 conservative uh, popular party were framing this election as a straight up choice between Sanchismo or España, like Spain, mm. Spain or Sanchismo, and so he was being positioned as. Yeah, in bed with the enemies of Spain, i.e., the Catalan and Basque nationalists. Above all, you know, sure. uh, Bildu, which is, I guess, the equivalent. You know, have it would be a similar to, I guess, sort of Sinn Fein in Ireland. You know, would have historic links with, with um, the paramilitaries in the Basque country, etc. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the idea was his coalition. He was being portrayed as this sort of power hungry, you know, quasi Chavez esque figure. Who was mm-hmm. only interested in staying power and willing to, willing to be maintained in power by sort of anti-constitutional forces, i.e., the Basques and the Catalans, um, and I think he did a he went on to sort of right wing a series of right wing talk shows and and current affairs shows and pushed back against that narrative, and I think mm-hmm. he did that quite successfully. I mean, I think this also has to be seen in the context of the of the right campaign and and the fact that. It, they then went on the the offensive against the Pepe's candidate, who has a lot of links with the uh, with, <laughs> with, a, with a well-known dr- uh, uh, Nada, was drug. Uh, no, it, it wasn't him. Um, Dorado, exactly. Yeah, 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 Dorado, exactly. Yeah. Dorado, um, a well-known uh, narco trafficante. What would you say, drug trafficker um, in in Galicia? And he w- was close friends with him well into his thirties. So I think this was this was the question. I mean. He had a disastrous last week of the campaign where he said, oh, I, I thought he was a smuggler, not a drug trafficker, which I'm not sure if that makes it that much better. But anyway, um, <laughs> and, but yeah, it was, and then sort of all the, all the memes were saying, well, uh, smuggler of what? You know, smuggler, you know what, <laughs> what was being smuggled in Galicia at that moment? It was huge, huge quantities of Colum- Colombian cocaine. Smuggling um, in uh, Spanish, Spanish unity. That's what he was doing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so I think there was a... I think he Sanchez managed to defuse some of the sort of um, demonization, you know, the sort of caricature of, of him as, as this sort of, um, yeah, you know, as this sort of autocratic figure. Um, oh, yeah. I remember I think, the, sorry, I, I do remember the kind of like right-wing memes going around Spanish Facebook during the pandemic of like 
the Big Brother style <laughs> posters with Sanchez's face instead of like, yeah. yeah, yeah. There was yeah, there was some weird stuff going around for sure. I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, whatever again, whatever you think of of him and his politics, I mean, you know, he's he's a very you know yeah very mild pro you know pro European whatever you know like mainstream politician who. I mean, you know, there are there are massive issues ar- around the Spanish police, etc. But a mo- mo- and you know, we can talk about, for example, yeah, the sort of his hardline policies on on border control and migration, etc. But you know, the stuff they were accusing of, you know, was just uh, crazy. So I think, I think that was successful, and then it was the sort of implosion of the of the right wing campaign. The fact that they underestimated the impact that. Vox is, you know, of of their sort of of their deals they were doing with Vox, the impact that was having, and I think you know a small number of swing voters, but enough to make a bit of a difference, um, and yeah, so you had the sort of I think a certain demobilization of the center, and then at the same time a huge surge on the left, and I think that was what what really was decisive. Um, at the same time, you know, I think. Probably the key to the whole election was Catalonia, and mm-hmm. you know a majority of Catalan voters came out to vote for the two current coalition par- parties, um, Besoe and Sumar. Right. Um, and you had you had this quite he- um, quite heavy fall in the in the pro independence vote, a certain level of abstention, but it, I think in in the majority of the losses for the independence vote just moved. They moved to the socialists. They moved to Sumar. Yeah, and so. You know, without without this sort of huge progressive vote in Catalonia, we would have we would have had an absolute majority in, uh, of the right in the in, in mm. Spain. So I think that that probably di- was what marked the difference. Yeah, like the, I, I've seen the maps where the 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 kind of like level of support by PP uh, per like county and stuff, and then you can just like actually see the border of uh, Catalonia as a region effectively yeah. as well as the Basque country uh yes. which makes sense this is a you new know, the, the those regions don't like the pp um yeah i mean it it also points i guess if we talk about the rights campaigns really is the, is the fact mm. that i guess you know the rise of the far right in spain and you know right wing populism in general in spain has centered on the inter- internal enemies the enemies within as opposed to like external threats i.e. migration or whatever and yeah. So yeah, when you when you label two 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 very significant regions in Spain, Catalonia and the Basque Country, as basically anti-Spanish, as you know, a threat to the national unity, a threat to what the constitutional order. I mean, you have to expect a backlash, and I think that's it is a problem where Ayuso Ayuso can play an anti uh, sorry Madrid the Madrid uh, regional government sort of sort of tr- Trumpian regional president um, in Madrid, Isabel Diaz Ayuso, she can mm. play a sort of anti-Catalan card in, in the capital in Madrid and get away yeah. with it. Yeah. But it's not, it's a, you know, it's not a, it's not an electoral strategy which works at a national level because Spain is, is such a diverse country. And if you, if the right cannot recognize the sort of plurinational nature of Spain, mm. It's very hard for it to win win an election. Yeah. Above, above all, because Vox Vox is, I think in this election Vox mobilized. You know, it's it had a greater effect in terms of mobilizing the left than it did in, in bringing extra votes to the right. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, okay. So I guess this kind of leads me to to, to talking a bit more about Partido Popular. Uh, uh, um, I, I'm going to have a lot of fun saying um, Spanish words and names. Incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, my problem my problem is with the the Galicia, like you know, Fejo. Uh, I, I presume it's correct, yeah. but like, yeah, it's like, um, yeah, and the Catalan names as well. I always struggle with. I um I remember when we well, actually when we first had Uma on before was co-host um uh, we talked about we had her on to talk about the riots in Barcelona around the yeah. arrest of uh, um Pablo I believe the the rapper oh um, yeah Pablo Asal yeah yeah exactly yeah. yeah and that was that was one of the things I was very surprised by and this maybe hit hit a core to my to my Irish sense of just like he's called Pablo in the rest of Spain but his name is Pau and I was like what no don't do that <laughs> <laughs> no yeah exactly yeah 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 yeah. Um, and yeah, so I guess that kind of leads back to around to what you're saying about the uh, uh, plural national nature of Spain, the the kind of like multinational country within the country, um, yeah. which is, I think, super fascinating for the international audience because it's something that um, I think an international audience isn't very familiar with or doesn't understand the dynamics too well. I think the closest you really get in to anywhere else in the west is possibly like the uk and they're also not handling it very well um yeah. but also the history of like england's relationship to scotland is a, a far chiller one compared to like castilian spanish relationship to, to catalonia uh with the like well the I, I, I always say we we're always talking about different yeah i mean obviously you can obviously you know the northern ireland is is probably the the, oh, yeah. the clearest <laughs> example no of like you know um of just more or less a you know an illegitimate whatever yeah. whatever way you want to describe it occupation whatever whereas yeah i mean it's true that particularly given particularly given spanish history in the 20th century yeah i mean there's the sense you know particularly with the dictatorship but even before that yeah i mean it's it is a different relationship in scotland yeah as you were saying you know when you think the 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 british labor party etc was founded in scotland you had the, those type of sort of institutional yeah. links etc which which helps sort of integrate i guess yeah so it's 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 um it's an interesting one because there's not like i said there's not much like international comparisons northern ireland is probably the best one but there isn't like a, a there isn't a, well, no, like, see, I, I, but northern ireland goes for i mean I, you know it's not i mean yeah no i think even just because you know one of the other things is the fact that the basque country and catalonia are the two richest historically the yeah. two richest areas in spain as well so the idea I mean, it's it's a difficult one because it's. I think sometimes I can see also why Spanish people want to push back against the sort of trope of the oppressed Catalan people because at the same time, you know, go to Andalusia. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, you know, it's um, it, there. There there are issues here, and that's but that's not to downplay the sort of you know the yeah. of course civil rights abuses, etc. And you know, but it's maybe to just to, to complicate it a little bit. Yeah, you know, it, it it definitely does. Uh, um, and what I was saying is, like, unlike Ireland, for example, there isn't like an independent version of Catalonia that kind of serves as this other pole. Uh, there is no equivalent of the Republic of Ireland for Catalonia. Um, so that's all to say that um, what what is the strategy going forward? Because hearing uh, uh, yourself and your co-host over in Supremesa talk about this as well as people you had on for your election episode it kind of seems like one of the takeaways uh that i kind of interpreted was spain by and large is now kind of okay with the idea of like 
Catalonia and Basque roughly, like, broadly existing as, like, independent identities within Spain. Like, maybe they'll be a bit anti-independence, but they're kind of like, I'm not really going for this Fox, like, anti-Catalonia, anti-Basque thing. If I live in the middle of, like, Andalusia, why should I care? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, as I, um, on our election episode, we had a, a guest on Carlos Del Close who said, you know, Spain is a country without a political majority. And I think that's the correct way to read the, these results. And, you know, we're talking about a country which has had five general elections in seven and a half years and mm. potentially a sixth by Christmas. Um, and I think the cat, the question uh, above all of, like, you know, of um, cat, Catalan self-determination, et cetera, has been a very polarizing issue. As I said before, I think, you know, the rise of the far right in Spain has been around this issue above all. And, you know, I would, I would put, for example, immigration, migration, maybe fourth. It's really, that's not to say there isn't issues around racism in Spain, but it is sure. to say that in terms of like actual lines of mobilization, it has been the threat to national unity from sort of these internal movements. It has been anti-left sentiment around the coalition and anti-feminist sentiment around mm. some of the new legislation that's come in. And they've been the, the sort of lines around which which Fox have been able to, you know, um, win support and, you know, sort of gain a, a pretty solid electoral base of about, well, this this time about, was it like 11, 12%? And so there is, I would say, because when we talk, I mean, that's the thing, when we talk, obviously it's very hard to talk about Spain as such because we, what we have are these two polarized blocks. And what for one block, Questions of national, i.e., the right block. Questions of national unity um, matter a lot, and they are, mm. you know, that's um, you know the one of, the other slogan from from part of the right was um, vote uh, chapote," which is like chapote was a, an ex Basque, um, an ex ETA commander who's who's mm. now serving various life sentences for 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 terrorism terrorist-related offences. And it is the idea that, you know, you are, in a sense, the centre-left is becomes an illegitimate force because of your alliances with these with these parties. So I think it is true, and I think this is what, what we were saying on Sobre Mesa, was that maybe one of the big concerns for the Socialist Party was that these, these alliances and these deals that Sanchez has done with above all with the Catalans in the last four years, would hurt would hurt hurt him in places like Andalusia and in the right. south, where you would have a stronger sort of Spanish nationalist sentiment. And that, you know, that you would find sort of older socialist voters who just could you know, who just couldn't accept these type of agreements. I mean, there was two during the last four years, I mean, you know, it was a very he had a very shaky parliamentary majority based mm. You know, to to pass budgets, etc., he had to do deals with Esquerra um, Republicana, the centre left pro independence Catalan force, and you know they they did ex- you know compared to where he Sanchez in the best way was four years ago, he did extract, or sorry, uh, Esquerra Republicana did extract quite a, quite a, um, quite large concessions around uh, pardons for their leaders mm-hmm. who, who had been jailed around the independence movement and. A change in the law around um, um, around um, or, around offences to do with this, and so you had um, 
I think a lot of people in the Socialist Party have been worry, worried that that would cost them at the polls. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, fear of Vox was greater than anger towards towards cooperation with Catalonia and the Basque Country. And I think it's not so much that they necessarily have been neutralized, but it's at the end of the day, there's you know there was more people were were felt more uncomfortable around the possibility of Vox entering cabinet than they were mm. about sort of Basque and Catalan um, nationalists winning concessions. I mean, there is a question, how far is, will that go? Obviously, we, w- when we get onto the results, we can talk about the even more complicated majority he has now, which basically depends on, you know, Carl, Carl uh, Puigdemont in, 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 Brussels, in exile in Brussels yes. and what further concessions um, he will have to give towards, towards that agenda. But yeah, I mean, um, you have, I think it is true that, Sanchez is, probably feels vindicated in terms of moving towards both both in terms of his own result in Catalonia that you know the Catalan socialists you know by far the largest party Sumar were the second party I mean the two the two coalition parties were the largest largest parties who were voted for in Catalonia mm. at the same time that didn't seem to have negative effects in the rest of Spain so right. yeah I think yeah. it's you know he he would feel vindicated in that sense so yeah I guess the the kind of the thing I'm thinking about is what does the strategy for the PP have to be? Like, are we, are we kind of suggesting that the PP needs to distance itself from the kind of like Vox, like post Francoism or like re like reheated Francoism of Spanish unity. uh, And that means everyone speaks Castilian Spanish. Everyone recognizes like the Madrid government above all else. Um, do they distance themselves from that and do we get like a PP in the future that looks for a a way to kind of break into this kind of like Basque uh, 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 politics into Catalonian politics um, and develop like what you could aggressively call like compradors in these regions um, is that something viable or are they do you feel like the way for them to win is to really heat up this kind of like culture war divide? I, yeah, I mean, I think they're caught in a, in a in a huge dilemma right now. I mean, their current leader is a very sort of uncharismatic, traditional, old school cons- regional conservative who just you know whose campaign was a shambles. So I mean, you know, part of it was just that I think. But yeah. beyond that, there is an issue because. They won the, the combined vote of Vox and the Bay Bay was like forty five point five percent or something like that, which is one percent higher than what the Bay Bay got when they won their two absolute majority of seats. Spani- mm. The Spanish electoral system isn't isn't that it's not that proportional. It's, it's much more proportional than the US and the UK system, but not compared to, for example, uh, the Irish system. And so it heavily favors the rural vote. And this was this was intentional. It's you know it was designed. You know, it's a pre pre constitutional um, electoral system designed by you know the the final sort of government of of uh, after Franco died, but of you know of his regime, and it heavily favours the rural vote where the right tend to do well. And so, on forty five percent, forty four, forty five percent, the Pepe have been able to win absolute majorities in the past. But because this vote has been now divided into two into two parties it doesn't translate into the same number of seats. And so I think they are in a bit of a dilemma in the sense, do they continue in that line and maybe 
if Sanchez has a short-lived second term, it's probably not going to go four years. Maybe you don't get such a high turnout of the left vote the next time and, and they win a majority. Or do you go more towards the centre? And I think the issue is if they go more towards the centre, they potentially can win. Like there was about, I think they lost 500,000 votes from the centre who basically mm. stayed, at home, stayed at home. They were f- voters from the ex-liberal rightist Ciudadano party. And yeah. they, they, they decided not to, they chose not to vote or else they were just on holidays and they didn't give a shit, but one or the other. And I think the issue is, do they go, do they go after that vote or do they try and marginalize Vox on the right flank? And I think I, f- I have a feeling given, given their sort of, the Pepe is very embedded in, 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 in Madrid, in the Madrid media scene, uh, which is very, you know, yeah, very, you know, has been sort of driving this sort of ideological polarization. I mean, even, even when we think, think about Vox, Vox, Vox is as much an expression of, of a sort of process of radicalization of the Spanish right, which was already underway. And then it sort of intensified that when it, when it, after its breakthrough, but, you know, you already had this very sort of aggressive exclusionary form of, of Spanish nationalism being mm-hmm. pushed by the Pepe and being pushed by Ciudadanos before Vox made its breakthrough. Vox have brought it to another level. I mean, you know, there's a there's a big difference, you know, the sort of, yeah, the very sort of old-fashioned essentialist, you know, sort of neo-Francoist um, discourse of Vox and and the Pepe. I mean, there is, there is a big space. But obviously the other difference with Vox, Vox... Vox was um, Vox broke away. Vox comes from the Pepe. No, it's mm-hmm. it's it's its leaders are all ex Pepe um, officials or advisors, etc. Um, so I think the Pepe have always positioned themselves as a sort of big tent right wing party, which goes from the sort of liberal centre right to the far right. Mm-hmm. You know, its its founder, the ex Francoist minister uh, Manuel Fraga, said, you know. Uh, behind you know behind me on the right is only the wall so they they want to go all the way to the far right to the center and that's that's how they've been able to build parliamentary majorities with 44 percent of the vote i think it's it's going to be much more difficult because vox have i think quite a loyal voter base of about 10 percent that want an uncompromising you know old school spanish nationalism and how how do you how do you would you how do you marginalize marginalize them because the Spanish electoral system if you get over fifteen percent you there's no sort of you, your your number of seats um, multiplies exponentially whereas if you're below fifteen percent percent you're basically being um, penalized you know quite quite sharply as you go down and Vox got twelve percent you know it lost only. 2.5% of its vote from four years ago, but it lost about half of its seats. And right. so, you know, there wasn't a, there wasn't a huge drop in Vox's, Vox's vote, but there wasn't its seats. And that really caused the right. Mm. You know, there would have been a, an absolute majority for the right otherwise. And yeah. so it is, I, I think the Bay Bay are, are, in, are in a huge dilemma. Do you, do you tack right and compete with Vox or do you try and go towards the center? Right. Fair enough. All right. So then, um, okay. Then the... We're talking already about the two other parties that I, I need to talk about, uh, but let's continue with Fox because we've brought them up. 
uh, uh, I'm going to keep calling them box. I can't do the Spanish VB sound. Uh, and when I hear people say what sounds like to me box, I get very confused. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Vox has is, is always been kind of interesting to me in the sense of I, I, I remember the narratives of like, oh, the far right hasn't taken hold in Spain, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly, oops, there's an Andalusian local election and who's this hot new party yeah. on the scene? Yeah. Um, but I'm very curious about two characters in this election and have probably been around for a lot longer, I'm sure, which is uh, uh, Santiago Abascal and um, Jorge Bujade, is, if I'm doing that uh, last bu- name. Uh, Bouchete, yeah. Bouchete. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a Catalan name, I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're 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 kind of like this. This is interesting to me, and um, I do actually. Sorry, I need to bring up the fifth party that I've, I'm obsessed with, um, but disappeared for this election uh, because we we're talking about do you tack right and things like that, which is yeah. the seas, Seal uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, which the last thing I remember seeing from them online was like people doing local seas meetings in the like eating area of a mcdonald's yeah yeah mcdonald's and stuff yeah exactly what a precipitous drop <laughs> yeah what a yeah really really uh, incredible within uh, within four yeah within the one term i mean it's it, yeah it is it is incredible it, it's it's amazing and it's a um and one of the one of the last like actual like political things i remember from them was them kind of opposing um catalonian language education in catalonia yeah. and i'm like this, this, like the thing that always, and I guess this is the conundrum that we're talking about with PP. This, this felt like a Vox talking point. Like this seemed like okay, if you're going to be like the liberal Spanish unity people, I feel like allowing other language education within your borders is the thing you kind of like give to the the Catalonian yeah. separatists, to the Basque separatists. Um, but like that just seemed like such a weird issue to take a stance on, and. Um, I'm not sure if that's directly what led to their downfall. It just kind of seems like when presented with that, if I'm a Spanish like right wing person, I was like, well, I'm not going to vote for diet Vox when Vox is on the menu kind of thing. So, well, I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, yeah, exactly. I think that's basically what happened, wasn't it? That you know, when you have Vox, well, yeah, why not have the authentic, you know, version yeah. with Vox, et cetera. But um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're downfall. I mean, I don't know. Like, Cyrano's basically it was a it was a media construction. I mean, there was no mm. there was no real party before uh, you know party structure behind it. Um, and but you know there was two elections in two thousand nineteen. In the first election, they in in April two thousand nineteen, I think they got close to twenty percent of the vote. Mm. They had, they had a, a potential option to go into coalition uh, with the socialists and a sort of centrist centrist government. But but Ciudadanos at that point had had already tacked far right, and I think that was the thing was they were the sort of hinge party post the sort of indignados, um, break, you know anti austerity protests. They were going to be the sort of the the right wing version of Podemos, the sort of new anti corruption politics, mm-hmm. neither right nor left, just you know sort of very fuzzy. So you know all, you know all their leaders were under forty or whatever, um, yeah, and that's. That change with the with the independence uh, push in two thousand and seventeen in, in Catalonia um, and the referendum, etc. They 
they realized that there was more space to the right of the Pepe than there was towards staying in the center. And so mm. they, you know, I mean, Cyrano's itself and Vox, I mean, Cyrano's was born as a unionist party in Catalonia, as a regional yes. unionist party. And there was questions about whether when when the leadership of Vox broke away from the Pepe in, I think it was 2013, whether they would join maybe with Ciudadanos and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's all a very fluid space over there because mm-hmm. even even with Vox, there was never... Vox, Vox comes from basically the neoconservative wing of the Pepe. Mm-hmm. And so you had figures that were close to uh, the former prime minister, probably the most important uh, Spanish politician in the last 30 years, um, Aznar. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. And they, they broke away from the Pepe when the Rajoy Pepe government um, refused to um, repeal abortion laws, which they promised, etc. Um, but it was a very sort of fluid space at that moment where potentially Vox and Ciudadanos could have done a deal. After Podemos' breakthrough, Ciudadanos positioned themselves as a sort of centrist party, transversal centrist party. But then after, after 2017, tacked right. And when they tacked yeah. right... It, it had, you know, they, they, you know, you, you had a very, you know, a very, very, very quick um, increases in the polls. I think at, at times they were above the Pepe. Yes. And in 2019, it looked, they were, you know, I think they were only a couple of points behind the Pepe um, in the first election. And mm-hmm. their party leader at the time, um, Albert Ribera, chose to chose instead of to go in into government and become deputy prime minister he chose second elections believing he could overcome mm-hmm. he could uh, overtake the pepe and Cyranos would become the party of the right right um and that didn't that didn't happen you know for various reasons just because like its identity is so unclear and then you have yeah i think vox vox was able you were mentioning the riots earlier these were i actually these were other riots but the the riots just before uh, the November 2019 election mm. to do with the sentencing of the Catalan leaders, Vox went in and played the, the law and order card and sort of, you know, took a lot of that vote away from Ciudadanos. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing is that you have, I mean, it, it does seem that it's, you know, for these sort of alternative right-wing parties, there's a, there is more space to the right of the Pepe than there is at the center. And... Right. Um, that's obviously how how Vox have sort of um, um, increased increased their vote, vote share. But I guess the issue for Vox, you know, they they the November two thousand nineteen election, they you know they did very well. Let me see. I think they got um, what did they get? Well, they had fifty two seats. Yeah, and they went down. They went down to thirty three this time. Mm. But. They got 52 two seats. You know, it was a very specific moment of heightened regional conflict around around the Catalan leaders' trial. You had riots in Barcelona, etc. Their their issue is if you don't have the territorial issue front and center in Spanish politics, how do you mobilize? And they've been trying. You brought up uh, Jorge Bouchere. It's like mm. he's been trying. You know, he he led the Vox campaign. Um, this time he's sort of the, the party's main ideologue. He comes from the sort of phalangist wing of the party. I mean, he literally was in the phalang- he was a phalangist candidate in, the, in his twenties, oh, yeah. um, and so 
Whereas you would have a sort of just ultra conservative wing that wants a sort of more authentic version of the Pepe. Pe. Vox also has this more radical wing, which is, you know, um, you know, openly sort of post-fascist. Mm. And yeah, I mean, he ran the, the Vox campaign because, I mean, Catalonia just wasn't that much of an issue. And then you had the question, I guess, of, of you know, relationship of, of the current coalition with the Basques and Catalans. But he needed to differentiate himself from, or Vox needed to differentiate itself from the Bay Bay. And that was, its means of doing that was to first importing sort of alt-right conspiracy theories and then second sort of anti-feminist discourse, et cetera. But in a sense, it just didn't really, it never, their, their campaign never really took off and never really connected beyond its core voter. Mm. I guess they mobilized that sort of 10, 12% of the, the most radical right um, Spanish, Spanish voter. But it, I think unlike 2019, when you had sort of the backdrop of the Barcelona riots and they could play the law and order cards, at the end of the day, Spanish people don't care that much about immigration. The The largest group of, um, of migrants that arrive in Spain irregularly come from, come from Latin America. They speak yeah. Spanish and are Catholic. So for better or for worse, like it's just not, you know, like it's not, there isn't, it's, it, it just doesn't mobilize people the way it does in Italy or France or whatever, like, you know, and so sure. I think Vox did struggle in this election to make a breakthrough. Yeah. I'm I'm also kind of curious because I'm I'm not not too familiar with Bouchardet's like strategy of like one thing we've been seeing a little internationally uh, namely with the US uh, a little bit with France and the UK is this um kind of like just be normal kind of strategy about the right because they've tried doing the very online uh, mm. uh, uh, right-wing stuff, uh, which I have seen like bits of this in Spain. I, what was her name? Like uh, Isabella Peralta or something like that. The 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 yeah. woman who yeah yeah who was at the uh, Azul Legion march and then kind of like tried to pivot that into like an online alt-right kind of stardom thing. Yeah. Um, we see that a little bit with a, a character that we're obsessed with, much to Uma's chagrin on the show, which is um, Ada Yuk, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. Uh, she's kind of like, she's married to a, a, an alt-right character in the United States, but she's from okay. Catalonia and she posts a lot uh, about like, if it was, one of the weird ones she did was like, if it wasn't for the Americans, everyone in Spain would be speaking German. And I was like, that's <laughs> wow, okay. not how World War II should out in your part um, Very strange character. And still praises Franco uh, uh, and is trying to like convince the Protestant Americans that Catholic Franco was good. Um, very interesting dynamics. But that kind of like, we're seeing in the US when people really tack to that kind of like alt-right, online, right-wing thing. It doesn't work. Uh, we see that also a bit with the UK with like really hammering on the, the, the transphobia, like really aggressively and very online way isn't working a more subtle way is unfortunately, but like, yeah. not the like, yeah. And no, I'm I think kind of, it, it, yeah, exactly. It's, it is more that sort of subtle version. I mean, Maloney does it very well as well with the great replacement theory, et cetera. Um, so, I mean, I guess in Vox, they're very, very focused on the UN development goal. So Agenda 2030 is basically, okay. you know, they describe it as a new religion, a new form sure. of totalitarianism and basically, yeah, new global 
global governments being imposed. You know, I mean, I guess, you know, yeah, you have these two elements of sort of, you know, the enemies within and the enemies without. The enemies within are trying to divide the nation. The enemies without are trying to, I guess, um, you know, dilute Spain, Spain's sovereignty. And, yeah, so what, what, one, one of the main uh, external threats is is the the UN Agenda Agenda 2030, which is mm. always sort of uh, framed in very, you know, um, not very subtle terms of sort of, you know, cosmopolitan New York elites. They don't quite, they don't, the, the word Jewish is sort of implied somewhere in there, <laughs> yeah. but it's never quite said. We say um, every word but Jewish. Exactly, basically. yeah. I mean, yeah. and then the other, you know, there are other very similar um, um, sort of target is what they describe as the new Bauhaus, though the 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 new EU Bauhaus, which is basically, I think, I think what basically what they're referring to is energy efficiency reg, EU wide energy efficiency regulation, which they they've interpreted into this like basically like all architecture in Europe will now be sort of this sort of um, right so, modernists, yeah. you know, sort of without without you know without sort of yeah traditional um elements right okay um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you have you do have all of this but I, I mean that's the thing is i just don't i don't think there really is um i think the feminism the anti-feminism stuff works works very well like which is again basically a sort of form of anti-communism and and i think that stuff works but i think acceptable maybe the you know the hardcore hardcore uh far right it just doesn't it doesn't resonate and um, um yeah i'm not sure exactly what like, you know the feminism stuff does because again we have when you have like figures like irene montero the podemos and uh, deputy leader etc there is it is much more it's just much more concrete etc whereas uh, you know i'm not talking about sort of yeah the new Bauhaus or the agenda 2030 it's just it's, yeah. it's all a bit abstract and i i don't think it really connects with sort of rural Spanish voters or whoever they're trying to like aim at. But the, yeah. I guess that is the other issue is, is the farming element. And I think that's, they are very interested at a regional level to, again, to get the farming portfolios because they can, again, they can use it to sort of create forms of ideological polarization around, you know, I think it was in Castilla Leon. Um, they removed safety regulations around I don't know, it was to do with cattle and stuff. And then basically the national government, because it was against EU regulations, the national government had to impose um, certain restrictions on cattle exports from that region. And so you have, there are, you know, they are, you know, using those type of tactics as well. But yeah, the sort of conspiracy things, I I, I would imagine they're going to rethink that a little bit, at least have that more in the background because it just, it didn't work in this campaign. Yeah, that's fair. the The farming one is super interesting because um, story that was interesting for people outside of Spain for a while, but then was I I think became less of a topic because it's just too depressing. Was um, the kind of like droughts and mm. people talking about like, oh, you yeah. know, there might be any more olive oil or tomatoes in yeah. Europe because we decided Spain's going to do all of that, um, and that's like. Yeah, that that kind of topic. And I'm curious. Yeah, it, it kind of sounds like they're trying to create like what you have in the Netherlands of these kind of like yeah. very aggressive farmers. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there have uh, been, you know, there's been a couple of incidents. Um, there was a yeah, basically where I mean, I, I'm trying to think when it was. Maybe about six weeks ago or something. Yeah, there was uh, where where farmer groups stormed the regional 
um, offices of the of the government there um, mm. in retaliation for them restricting exports or whatever. Like there has been various, so they have managed, they have managed to sort of yeah create certain traction around that. The other issue in Spain, actually, which again has this is actually an, an issue where you, you see across the sort of lines of the Pepe and and Vox is a sort of moral scare around squatting. Squatting is a big issue in Spain, and right. it, you know it's um, this was particularly big during the during the the local elections. There was riot. There was a, well, I don't know if it was quite a riot, but there was uh, problems in Barcelona where a sort of vigilante group tried to storm a. Um, an occupied um, anarchist um, social right. center, etc. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, but it's. I mean, but but the the discourse you have like very, you know, these type of social centers in abandoned buildings, which normally aren't residential buildings. But the hmm. discourse you get on right wing media is very much if you leave, you know, if you leave your home for a few weeks, it, you could come back and find you know squatters yeah, inside, etc. And um, that that has been quite effective as well. Um, but yeah, it is interesting that immigration just really isn't on the radar in Spanish politics. Okay, then I guess this will be the last thing we talk talk about because uh, uh, I'm very conscious of time here. And uh, um, the last major party that we need to talk about, um, there's a lot of parties in Spanish politics. It gets very fragmented, but the big one that we need to talk about is Sumar because um, this is a party that has existed for. Uh, a couple of months <laughs> effectively yeah. um built around uh, uh yolanda diaz more or less and built yeah. around built, uh, uh, a left unity even between parties that had split like I- i'm namely thinking like podemos and uh, uh um what was originally mass madrid but is now mass país right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um and then yeah i'm just i'm just kind of curious um how they campaigned and any kind of speculation of what they're going to look like in the coming years? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Yeah, because it's, I mean, how do you even describe it? Is, is it a party? I mean, it's sort of a, this sort of electoral electoral platform, this sort of left unity platform, which has integrated 15, 15 groups in, in, into, this, into this one platform. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, I guess it goes back to when the Podemos founder, and former Deputy Prime Minister Pablo Iglesias retired two years ago, he named Yolanda Diaz as his successor without without informing her. So um he he went he, he posted a video on Twitter saying he was stepping down, that he was gonna run in regional elections in Madrid, and then, you know, basically after that was gonna retire um from frontline politics. Hmm. But he, he named Yolanda Diaz as his successor with without informing her, she found out through through the media. And I think their relationship had already been, I mean, they were quite close. You know, in, in one sense, you know, Iglesias had been her, um, had been, you know, before he found Podemos, had been her advisor, et cetera. They had had a, a long working relationship. But I think they had quite different style styles maybe when they approached government as such. Iglesias pushed a line of what he described and Podemos in general of sort of trying to heighten the contradictions in the coalition, which, mm. you know, with the limited, the limited sort of institutional weight that Podemos had, they could push policies in certain areas, but in most areas, no. And mm-hmm. so in those type of areas, they would try and create, you know, make sure that the, the differences were very obvious and public, that mm-hmm. what they wanted as opposed to what the socialists wanted. But I think, 
it didn't really work in the sense, firstly, the, the government was at the point of collapse two years ago because of these type of confrontations, but also because it may, you know, for a lot of voters, it just was like, well, you know, okay, that's what you want, but why are you in government? To, you know, like it's, it, it made them look sort of a bit impotent, et cetera, mm. um, that they couldn't, you know, it was always framed in quite negative ways. Okay. You know, we've done, we've pushed the socialists this, this far, but we couldn't get this, et cetera. Um, and I think maybe they were trying to push battles on too many fronts and it was just at a, at a point where it wasn't going anywhere. Yolanda Diaz, when she took over, wanted basically greater greater distance from the Podemos leadership. She she comes from the, a communist background. She's a rank-and-file communist member and she's a basically an MP. She was elected as an MP from a, a regional platforming that's allied to Podemos in Galicia. Mm. but is not didn't form a part of the Podemos leadership. And I think one of the calculations in Iglesias's decision to name her as um, his successor was that she was she didn't necessarily have a party, party structure behind her and that she could be sort of a, an independent figurehead but with, very much dependent on Podemos. Mm. And I think... Yolanda, she basically what she wanted. She was very clear. She wanted political independence, political autonomy from from Podemos, um, and so yeah, went around building this 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 new platform for, in part, to gain this autonomy, and then also to gain, I guess, the, the explicit sort of objective was was yeah to create this sort of unity platform, bringing mm. in these various factions which had broken away from Podemos at, at various points. Um, and creating a new sort of balance of power within within the left, and so it all came to the head. It all came to a head basically after the local and regional elections when Sanchez called the snap election, hmm. because Yolanda Diaz had been very clear she was going to wait until after Podemos suffered losses in the local elections to negotiate their incorporation into the platform. Right, you know, from from a from a stronger negotiating position, and then after that. You, she was caught off guard by the fact that these snap elections were called, and she had, you know, like she, she then had two weeks in which to in which to in which to negotiate a unity deal between these various various groups. They'd expected to have had all summer. You know, the elections weren't scheduled for November, December, mm. um, and so you had a two week negotiation process, which was very fractious. In which she basically imposed, she wanted the sort of old Pablistas, the old guard of Pablo Iglesias, removed from frontline politics right. and the sort of renewal with uh, of, of the left's front bench. And she, you know, she achieved she achieved that, but there was a lot of bad blood, etc. Hmm. And I think because their their result was decent, maybe not spectacular, but it was, you know, when you look look at the left elsewhere in Europe, it was a very decent result. Hmm. They're they're look particularly now they're looking to get, you know, likely to be in government again. Um but yeah, they need basically. There's going to be a sort of founding congress um, in September, I think, where right. they're going to have to have a sort of formal, you know, f- formalize it as a sort of as a sort of party structure. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's still. I think the Podemos current Podemos leader came out was it like twelve hours after the election results and criticized her, mm-hmm. uh, criticized Yolanda Diaz. There is still a lot of tensions. Uh, the Podemos leader uh, Yone Balada didn't mention 
um, didn't mention Yolanda Diaz once in in all her campaign speeches, except for the very last, the last very, the, her very last speech on the last night of the campaign. But like, there were these sort of awkward speeches where Yolanda Diaz was on the stage just behind her. The Podemos leader would talk for fifteen minutes, basically mm. about Podemos's achievements in government, but not mention uh, Yolanda. And so the tensions are still there. You know, the Spanish left have been very divided. I mean. The fact that they're going to go into government again, I think, will mean it. The platform will, you know, the the tensions will, will remain within a certain sort of, you know, we're not going to see further splits. I think in the next couple of years, basically. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Um, this is all the time I have for the interview. But I could probably yeah, take yeah. a lot longer. Um, yeah. Right. So, where can people uh, uh, find uh, uh, your work and uh, um, also? your podcast um yeah well my podcast sobre, sobre mesa sobre mesa uh, pod it's we're on twitter etc available on all the major um platforms um you know i write mainly for for jacobin and tribune magazine mm. as well as other no, other sort of progressive outlets and uh, novara um you can follow me on twitter um and yeah basically i think <laughs> that's good yeah no we'll have links yeah. to all of that in the, uh, in the show description and uh yeah just want to say thank you owen for for coming on and explaining oh, great. All of it yeah thanks for having me it's been it's been good thanks cheers well what a great interview what was your favorite part uma all of it all of it the, the, the very the very smart questions and the very smart answers oh yeah that's right <laughs> and with those reviews you should go back and listen to it again because the only way you heard those reviews is by listening to it in the first place ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right and with that that has been your weekly corner spady uh i want to once again thanks owen for coming on and talking to us mm-hmm. and uh, We will catch you on the bonus feed. Ciao, ciao. Bye.